Hey, 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 everyone. You're listening to Civil Radio 101.7 FM in Abbotsford, serving the Fraser Valley, located on the traditional unceded Stolo territory. And this is Bush League. I'm your host, Carl Lundgren. And with me is my co-host, Kenny Reencorn and Taryn Midzane. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good, yeah. good, good. I'm doing good, gentlemen. I'm doing fine here. It's a nice little cold Monday, but that's what it is. It's <laughs> yeah. winter time now. We're we're in a better we're in the bigger studio this week, so we decided to bring Taryn in from off the board. It was actually kind of hilarious watching him try to talk in the same microphone as Kenny last week. They got awfully friendly very quickly. <laughs> I mean, he's a nice guy. I, I gotta yeah. say, you smelled nice the other day, Kenny. Yeah, that was you, really buddy. good. You were uh, good yeah. with me. So, what, what what were you wearing? What was your cologne? Oh man. Uh, I don't have a cologne, so oh. it's just my natural yeah. smell. Oh, oh so this is natural musk. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the Old Spice. Oh, the locker room. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just the Dove and Old Spice uh, um, body washes. Uh-huh. I love those old commercials, man. Oh, They're great. Yeah. I'm on a horse. All right. <laughs> so, Kenny, let's dive right into it, man. Yeah. We got we got a great episode. There's a lot of positives to cover. It's been so so downer. Like, oh, it has. This, honestly, this is, this is exciting. So, um yeah, I mean, when we last recorded the Canucks, Abbotsford Canucks were sitting 5-4-1 with 11 points, sitting 8th in the Pacific Division, only 4 points out of 1st. And so uh, now they're on this 6-game road trip, and we'll just give it a quick recap. Uh, they started with the Laval Rockets. Um, and listen, we always dump on, on some of these recordings on AHL TV, and I'll say uh, this recording was actually great. And, and honestly, I, I enjoyed watching the game there. Uh, it was a good game. Uh, we lost 4-2. to two. Um, but, uh, listen, uh, some of the teams can take a lesson from these guys on how to, uh, how to do a recording. Well, they, they, they take the release of the HL very seriously out East. And I think they share like the national broadcasting with, uh, with Montreal there, uh, in Laval because, uh, they do it in the French broadcast. So I think it's the same announcers in the French broadcast and everything, if I recall correctly, but I would have to double check that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, this one was in English, so I was able to watch it and get a good uh, good feel for this game. But honestly, uh, I mean, Delia was in net for this one. Uh, Canucks looking to kick off the road trip with a win. Uh, they had a busy first period with, well, with three goals and, and pretty wide open play. So it was a, a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> Laval opens the scoring with Bainesy. Oh, man, he, he fully commits on a one-timer at the point and just completely whiffed on it. Yeah, he's at the tail end of a long shift there and... Got sloppy trying to lean into that one-timer. You you can't be doing that at this level, at the AHL level. Uh, So he's going to have to get used to that pretty quickly. Oh, man, yeah. And so Laval comes the other way. Richard with a nice shot that took a weird bounce off Delia. I mean, no one knew where it was, and Richard was just right there out front by himself, and he just put that one home. Yeah, it was a weird bounce, but there again, I I hate to kind of dump on Bainesy because you know I love him. He's one of my favorite players on the team. But he was too slow to get back on that play, and – uh, you know, it should have should have been more support up the middle. Uh, when you got back into the zone, it was just a little too late. I mean, all in all, it was just a lucky, a bit of a lucky break, I guess. But uh, you know, puck flops out right out in front, prime for the taking. But should be somebody there to grab that. No, for sure. And you know what? The second goal was generated by some really sloppy play by Vancouver. Um, uh, but I mean, or, yeah, sorry, by Abbotsford. Uh, but, yeah, however, goalie interference? I mean, I'm, I'm unsure as to why it wasn't goalie interference. I mean, did you see that play? I, I don't think it was goalie interference at all. No? I looked back at it, yeah. and, uh, you know, Linus Carlson, he pushes Condota. Is that how I spell it? Condota? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm 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 just lucky I know how to pronounce the names of the team guys on our team, and that's probably not even the case <laughs> half the time, anyways. Uh, but yeah, Carlson pushes Condota in, into the, into Delia, and you know all that contact happens because of that little shove, right? So once that happens, you know, and, and also Delia was way out of the edge of the of the crease, uh, or if not beyond the crease. So you know at that point, Condota he's gonna he's gonna milk it. He's gonna take his sweet time getting out of the way and and getting up. And he does, and it generates, and, and Delia's trying to milk it, sh- trying to showcase the goalie interference, and uh, a goal goes in, right? It's just the way it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a clean goal, and it's a good play. You see that all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. Fair enough, but uh, yeah. Now, that being said, I, I did want to take a minute to talk about Linus Carlson. Uh, he's turned out to be a far grittier player than I thought he would be. Um, what was kind of the MO on him? What was the line on him as a... Uh, a player in the Swedish Swedish league was he rough and gritty? Like he's playing a lot of physicality. Yeah, no, he. You know what? He. Um, I mean, he was not labeled as that kind of a player. I think they were more looking at him as kind of like a uh, a third line player, top top nine forward. But I mean, I've been absolutely surprised. Absolutely, like he's he's gritty. He's not uh, he's not backing down from guys. Yeah, and I've noticed him, and I don't know if it's out of frustration. Generally, I mean, it, it kind of seems that way in some of the games as opposed to just a general physicality. But um, it's good to see him kind of get a little emotion in there. And uh, well, he's you a like big to guy. See that a, yeah, you like to see that in a young, big European player. You want to make sure that they have that physicality because we all know that it can go both ways with a, with a European players. Sometimes they're, you know, puppy dogs and sometimes they're wolves. Yeah. Right, so you want to like like an Ovechkin wolf, right? So you want to have that. You want, I'm not saying Carlson's Ovechkin, but he's a very skilled player, and you want to see that physicality in those skilled players. It shows. It, we'll talk about this more later, but it, it really is important at the HL level because it differentiates the players that will develop and get NHL time from the players that mm-hmm. won't. And we talked about this going into the broadcast. We're going to touch on it more later. But, you know, this size and strength and grittiness allows them to transition into a bottom six forward role to start out in the NHL during the training camps and during the transitions. And they can, you know, develop a lot better. And then it gives them an opportunity to slide up. So I think he's going to be a really tremendous player for the organization. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you need that physicality to play in the NHL. You see a lot of good skilled players come up from the AHL, but they don't have that. Uh, so yeah, no, it's good to see. And, uh, you're right. It's been, uh, surprising cause I wasn't expecting it neither. Mm-hmm. Um, Nielsen though, uh, with a nice tap in on that power play, a little tappity tap from Dowling to wrap up the first two one. Yeah. I really like those tap in style goals, especially at the AHL level. I think that's something that's underappreciated. Um, especially with a team like Abbotsford that when they can get their, their, uh, their speed rolling, they can really hit people on that transition coming into the gaining zone and getting right up the middle like that. So those kind of tap tap plays are really uh, useful for this organization and they haven't played them a lot. Like they do, they seem to set up for them, but they almost play them as tips as opposed to taps. And there is a difference, Mm -hmm. right? I mean the tip, you're just redirecting a shot. Whereas a tap, you're actually taking an almost saucer pass and turning it into a shot. Right. Yeah. So that's what he did on that play. And it was really, really nice to see. So I hope to see more from that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in the second period, Pinard scores on a big rebound by Delia and a lack of defensive coverage, really. Uh, he was just wide open uh, all game long. The third guy 
high coming into the zone was wide open and uncontested. Really. Yeah, well, when we talked about, right, this yeah. is this is sloppy offensive zone plays, putting players out of position, and they have to constantly hustle back. And if they're on a longer shift, a longer than normal shift, uh, they don't get back or change fast enough. They're just not in, in position to make the play or to cover properly. So then the other players have to shift out of position in order to cover two guys. It's just one of those things. Uh, if, if your forwards aren't getting back to back check in time, your defensemen are going to have to hover down low and keep an eye on the players right at the net. And that creates all that, that space up high. Yeah. No, I, not for sure. And, uh, really a lot going on in the third. I mean, a, a huge hit by Wu on Simino, who's sixth in uh, rookie scoring, just uh, for the record, a clean hit. Wu beats him to position and just hits him in what looks like to be shoulder to shoulder to me. Uh, but the way Simino kind of turned at the time of the hit, you could see the head kind of snap back. I mean, you never like to see anyone get hurt like this, but the, the head was not the main point of contact. So a good call by the refs, in my opinion. Kandata just staring down Wu on the next shift at the faceoff. Uh, you could see Wu was stating uh, a clean hit. Yeah, he wasn't really intent on engaging, but Teasdale came out battling Wu, hitting him, cross-checking him uh, into the boards, and Wu just answered the bell with the hit, so or for the hit, sorry. And uh, him and Teasdale had a solid tilt, I thought. Yeah, woohoo! That was quite the <laughs> tilt. That's about as nice an NHL tilt you're ever going to see. I actually like that the referees didn't jump on them right away uh, when the helmet came off for... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Teasdale's helmet came off right at the end. They still let them fire a couple more shots. They're kind of instructed to not do that anymore. Yeah. They're supposed to end it as soon as the helmet comes off. But that was a great tilt to watch, and I uh, loving to see a little spark and woo, right? Yeah, he's, he's got a little old-school uh, hockey to him, which I, which I like. Uh, Canucks pulled the goalie well on the power play for 6-on-4, uh, and uh, just, a, just a huge dump from Richard right in front of the net, just straight down and into our empty net. Uh that pretty much wrapped that one up. Yeah. Yeah. N next, next game. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, that was a great game to watch for sure. Um, so who, who's your get some player of the game for that one? You wanted to introduce this new segment called get some player. Yeah, of the game. Absolutely. And listen, the get some player in this game, in my opinion, was the man himself. Mr. Tristan Nielsen, uh, worked hard all night in this game draws a penalty, scores a goal. And Beauty is, goal. Oh, Beauty yeah. goal, too. And goals we want to see more of, they were fit really well with their transition play. So Yeah, yeah. And an assist on uh, on the power play. The last two minutes of the game, he gets a he gets hit with a point shot uh, and then was all over the front of the net, but uh, just couldn't bury one. So uh, my get some player of the game is uh, Tristan Nielsen. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so in this game, they go two for seven on the power play, kill off both penalties. However, their sloppy play and defensive coverage uh, all game long, like we talked about, third guy high coming into the zone, was just wide open and uncontested. So Laval scored three of their goals this way, and they dropped the first game 4-2. So that leads us into the Marlies. Yeah, the dreaded Toronto Marlies. Really good team this year. Boy, that oh. Toronto organization looks solid for the next five to six years, that's for sure. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they'll finally win a first-round playoff. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, man, listen, they. I was impressed, actually, with... with uh, I didn't realize they were that good. But, um, anyways, uh, this game, uh, we lose 5-3. Seelov's between the pipe for this one. Uh, Ex-Canuck, Mr. Adam Gaudet in the lineup for the Marlies. Uh, this guy's got 14 points in 14 games and 10 goals already. Uh, we'll see what kind of impact he had in this game. I mean, there were eight goals total, so a lot to talk about. Uh, Gatcomb gets a penalty 46 seconds in, and uh, Marlies 
Joey Anderson with a quick goal on the power play uh, to get things kicked off. Uh, they trade chances. Marley's uh, goalie whiffs on one behind the net. It's kind of a pass attempt. Dowling almost scores, but doesn't. And Steves comes the other way and rings one right off the post. So mm-hmm. some good action there. Yeah, but you know, those good teams are going to make you eat those early penalties. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Uh, you go, Especially when you're on the road playing ice conditions you're not usually playing in. It's not like it's a Pacific team that you're used to playing throughout the season. We yeah. know the California ice is going to be what it is. Whereas, you know, you go out, out east, uh, sometimes you can get into fast ice that you're maybe not necessarily used to, even though the Abbotsford Canucks tend to play better on faster ice. But, uh, you know, that's just one of those things, that game. No, oh, for sure. And some painful defensive giveaways that created pressure for the Marlies that led to uh, – uh, Hofenmeyer's goal. Hofenmeyer. That's a name, eh? Uh, nice to see some emotion from Carlson uh, as at the end of the period, he gets cross-checked right to the ground, uh, doesn't like it, and uh, lets Cockin and Nolan, they battle and mess it up uh, just after the whistle there. So Yeah, how much of this is, like, do these guys already know the book on Carlson and they're shutting him down? Like, it seems uh, like it. You know, like uh, he's getting frustrated out there. He's obviously not like I saw him play those first couple games of the season. If oh. you let him play his game, he's dominant. Yeah, no, right? he's absolutely. And uh, yeah, they end the first two uh, zero, and SDA comes out and scores for the Marlies on the power play to make it three uh, nothing. And you kind of think, man, this is uh, this is not going well. But credit the Canucks for getting two late goals in the second to close the gap. Stevens bangs one in under Ferguson and Linus Carlson with a big goal, 11 seconds left, and it goes in. Uh, they end the second down by one only. So in the third, Toronto makes a goalie change, starts with Petrozelli. Um, not sure why, but uh, they chose to, and the Canucks' uh, Pedersen gets one with a nice tip in front through the five hole to tie it up. One minute later, Jet Wu gets a five-minute major for cross-checking. Penalty from behind on Steve's. This game has had little physicality and just honestly a useless play, in my opinion. Horrible yeah. penalty. The play, the team worked so hard to get back in this game, and now they got to kill off a five-minute power play. I mean, look, we just talked about Wu. We love his old-school game and his edge, but, I mean, what's happening? This guy's a second-round pick, 37th overall in 2018. Not a sniff in the NHL, Carl. Why? <laughs> you just said why. He takes <laughs> bad penalties. Uh, he lacks production and takes bad penalties. That's mm-hmm. that you you can get away with one or the other. If you're a defenseman that's get that's scoring, you know, half a point half a point a game or a point a game, you'll get some NHL action. Uh, even if you are giving up dumb penalties, they'll just try to work that out of you at the NHL level, get you into the program. But this guy has been having he's been notorious for that uh, since day one last year. Uh, Justin would comment all the time on his. Uh, you know, giveaway passes that were quite mm-hmm. frequent. So I think it's a combination of these things. But I got to tell you, when he's at his best, this guy's ready to play at the NHL level. He's when he's playing well, he's noticeably a good player. So, and we certainly need right-handed defensemen. So <laughs> yeah, well, listen, you don't want to take away his edge neither. But there's just yeah, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta know when to uh, not cross that line, right? Um, Stevens with a with a clean breakaway right after was robbed by Ferguson as he tried to go five hole. Uh, which is a nice nice opportunity there. But uh, Toronto only scoring one on the major penalty, so credit the Canucks for, you know, um, we know a five-minute they can score as many in those five minutes, so for uh, for shutting down as much as they could. Um, mm-hmm. well, yeah, with four minutes left, a, a good chance to tie it up, which uh, Carlson had a great chance too. Uh, and as we mentioned, Gaudet, he gets the empty netter and an assist in this one. So overall, the Canucks outshoot them. 
but those two goals in the first and the Marlies three, three for five on the power play versus the Canucks is 0 for three on their power play chances. So between the slow start uh, in the first and the five minute major in the third, that truly killed the momentum and uh, really cost us this one. Yeah, it's losing a tight game to one of the best teams in the league. Uh, you know, that could be something you can grow on and take a little bit of, you know, solace in. But, you know, we are start- we're starting to get to that point in the season where, you know, encouraging losses just aren't good enough. It's not something we can celebrate anymore. Uh, we need to get our act together. We we won't make the playoffs uh, if we're going to continue doing this. We're, you know, we're just not getting some. We're yeah. not getting some. So what's who's your get some player of that uh, game? Get some player in this game. Not a, really not a whole lot of anything going on, but uh, really hard to choose. But honestly, I would say John Stevens. Uh, I liked uh, his effort in this game. He gets a goal, gets a nice breakaway opportunity, two shots, finished plus one for the game, and he was by far the most notable Canuck out there, in my opinion, tonight. So... Yeah, well, he's one of he's by far well in my opinion not by far, but he is one of the most consistent Abbotsford Canucks over the last two seasons, mm-hmm. and uh, he is one of those tough Massachusetts kids. Really like him. Uh, he can. I'm surprised he hasn't been in the NHL. You know, hasn't had a lot of any, any NHL action to yeah. my knowledge, and uh, so you know you can expect that kid to start getting some some results and some some nods. I mean, he's part of the training camps and everything like that. He's part of the. He's obviously being eyeballed by by the, by the big clubs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, that leads us right into the next game, man. Uh, they play the Marlies again, and uh, this time the Canucks get a 3-2 win. Uh, Delia net for this one. Canucks look to come out, uh, obviously, with a better effort and tie up the series, which they did. Uh, a quiet first on the score sheet, despite a penalty-driven uh, first period with 10 minutes in penalties total, uh, but not a whole lot happening. Uh, in the second period... Uh, we had four goals, two on each side. Pedersen with two power play goals. Dowling and Wallanning getting assists on both of those goals. Uh, Ex-Canuck Adam Gaudet tying the game up with a goal at the end of the second. Uh, and then Delia standing his ground in the third. And John Stevens, a thorn in the Marley's side. Like I said, yeah. he was noticeable in the previous game. This guy gets the game-winning goal. All right, and your GSP, your get some player of the game? Uh, this game, my get some player of the game's Lane Peterson. Two huge goals on the power play as they went two for four uh, in this game, and uh, he was a threat all game. Really? Okay, I'm surprised, though. Yeah. I, thought you, I thought you'd give it to John Stevens for that hero goal. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about it because he was there last game, but you know what? Peterson, uh, in my opinion, he was pretty noticeable in this one, so... Well, it's not up to me, but I'm going to say he's my Enrique. He's my Enrique Iglesias. He's my hero, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, this was a huge win for the Canucks to split that series with the Marlies on the road. That's a, you know, there again, we're talking about these kind of secondary wins, but it is a win. Anytime you can split against a top five ti- five team in the league on mm-hmm. the road, that's a win. I mean, but we really need to start getting some wins on the, uh, you know, we need to start, uh, stop splitting series and starting to win series whether we're home or on the road oh uh, agreed um they head into laval uh again to play the rockets uh they lost the last one uh four to two and this one they win three two with delia net again um unfortunately the uh, yeah that we were talking about the audio uh, i couldn't get english to, to play for me so i uh Unfortunately, don't know French. Carl, you would have no problem understanding. That's iconic, it. right? Is uh, <laughs> I love it. It's uh, it's so much better than oh, and they score. Yeah, uh, you know what? Listen, I I wish I understood it because uh, yeah, it, it sounds a lot more exciting uh, for sure. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Agreed. 
Yeah. My my roommate in college was a big Montreal Canadiens fan. We used to watch the watch the, the the French feed all the time over the English feed. It's just more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so listen, uh, quick recap on this one. Scoreless first. Uh, Abby was the busier team in this period. Uh, Canucks scoring three in the second and uh, and shut things down the rest of the way. GSP? Uh, Delia in this one. He stopped 25 of 27 shots, spoiling some really good chances by Laval. So he's my he's my get some player of the game. Seems to be getting more starts than Seeloff right now. Are they splitting True. the starts? What's happening here? No, you're you're absolutely right. Actually, we uh, uh, we've been or I've been noticing that too as well. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's going Taren, on. Taryn, can you bring that up to what, what are we? Uh, what what is the split between uh, starts for Dilia and starts for Artur Seeloff over the last six games? Let's see. Okay, yeah, I can. Uh, just give me a few yeah, seconds. Check yeah, that beauty. Out. Awesome. Cool, thanks, brother. Okay, so then, yeah, so another split series on the road for the Abbey Canucks. You know, there again, first time. Oh, and this was the first time, I think, this year that both Canucks teams won on the same night and on the road, too. So awesome oh, showing. There's awesome a stat. Showing. I actually threw that up on our social media there, and uh, that's underscore Bush League on Instagram and TikTok. We threw up a, a video about that and. Awesome. Uh, showing the old Ace Ventura clips. So check that out <laughs> if you have a chance to go on our social media and check that one out. Alrighty uh, then. But yeah, so far the road trip uh, not looking so bad until that point. But then the wheels kind of come off, eh, Ken? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And you know what? Uh, they go into Calgary the, to play the Calgary Wranglers. Um, a 5-1 loss in this one. Delia was in net. And, uh, oh, man, busy first period. 12 shots apiece. But uh, Phillips gets the Wranglers on the board. Man, this guy... Calgary picks up the pace in the second, or shoot, uh, out shooting Abby, uh, and Phillips getting a second on the board. Well, Lannan scores at the end of the second to keep Abby within one. Uh, so it was a 2 1 game going into the third. Uh, and Dewar, how's that for a name? Uh, Walker Dewar had a great period. Did he Dewar? He did. <laughs> Using his speed and scoring a couple goals, uh, all, uh, all Calgary in the third, out shooting Abby, six to, 16 to 9. And outscoring them three nothing, they take this one home, five uh, one. Abby zero and five on the power play, and Calgary was zero and six this game as well. So all decided on five and five action. Um, was getting heated and physical near the end of the game, which is which was awesome. So uh, setting up for a, a big follow up on the next game. Yeah. Well, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this uh, should be a rivalry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the the this is the old Abbotsford Heat franchise that yeah. you know moved down to Stockton and then now it's moved to Calgary and the, they even changed their name to give us the middle finger, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think, I think there any remaining love here in the city of Abbotsford for the heat franchise is kind of out the window with that name change. So now we can really uh, hate these guys, which is great. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually got the uh, stats up here for you. Terrific. Oh, All right. So with uh, Sulov's in net, we are three and four and with Delia in net, we are four and three. Okay, so that's oh. approximately the same number of games. Pretty much, yeah. And it's not very different in terms of... Well, I mean, you look at the record, obviously it's going to be... They're going to be both be close to 500. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, that remains so to be seen. Close. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been impressed with Dilia, and I know that, uh, you know, he's really working with the, goal, with the goaltending staff here in Vancouver, so maybe they're just trying to hedge their bets a little bit here because he, he could be a more... Uh, a, a sooner choice as a backup goalie in the NHL level. I don't know. Maybe they're just a little concerned about Demko in Vancouver. I don't know. This, you know, that might be why he's getting a few more starts. Uh, but you know, both these guys are good. I mean, 
I, I'm not as confident as I was in the last episode saying it's Dilia's. I'm sorry, it's uh, Seeloff's net anymore. I think it's a mm-hmm. toss up. No, I agree. And you know what? It, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on for sure on that one. Yeah, they um, both have. Uh, sorry, both have. Uh, Seeloff's has 28 uh, goals against, and Delia only ha- has 24. So they're pretty close to each other with their averages across the board. Yeah. You know, their uh, averages are about uh, Seeloff's is 3.07, and Delia's is 3.5. There you yeah. go. So, so pretty close. Pretty so close. Probably just the coach decision, right? Well, like I say, we'll this see. could be a development decision from up top. Uh, this could be, uh, you know, like you got to realize at the AHL level, they're always looking at worst case scenario at the NHL level. So mm-hmm. worst case scenario is Demko goes off the rails this year and has a completely horrible season. Spencer Martin now has a step up. Well, what do you do with Demko? You can't just leave him there. You got to trade him while he still has value. So these are the kind of things that are going through the organization's mind, mm-hmm. and they're probably looking at okay, which of these two goalies at the AHL level is best prepared to step into a backup role? And they're probably thinking in their opinion and talking to the coaching staff that they think uh, Dilly is the guy. That's my yeah, maybe I, instinct on that, but we'll see. We'll wait and see how that plays out. That's a pretty good scenario. So uh, it's a horrible scenario. I don't want Demko to play like that. Play bad. No, no, but, but you know what? You're, I think you're on to so something there. Who's the get some player of the game on that one? Okay, so my get some player in this game, it was a tough one to decide. And honestly, there wasn't much going on for Abby in this game. And I mean, Wallanen did score the only goal, and Lockwood was invested, I thought. Uh, but Wrangler's doer was dangerous all night with his speed and Phillips showing why he's the leading scorer in the AHL uh, with two goals and an assist. And I, I hate to do it. But honestly, uh, I think Phillips was my by far the get some player of this game, in my opinion. I didn't know you could pick from the other team, Kenny. Yeah, they didn't give me much to choose from the Canucks. That's for sure. Pretty bad when your team gives you that little, right? You know, you're looking mm-hmm. at. <laughs> but yeah, the team was looking tired at this point. You know, they're on the road like that road stand. But it's one of those things. It starts to showcase the players that can play through at the NHL level, playing more games and grittier, grittier season, right? But. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit of a lackluster game. Yeah, for sure. And they head into uh, or back into Calgary again uh, a couple nights later, and they Seelovs uh, is in net for this game, and they they lose this one four to three. Uh, no Lockwood, uh, who got hurt uh, in the previous game. I, I I I believe he took an elbow to the head, uh, and uh, um, yeah, I mean he left that game. Last game, I forgot to report on that in the recap, but uh, he was not in for this game at all. So um, Calgary, who has the third best power play in the league, opens the scoring on the power play. Yeah, I thought this was a much better game for the Canucks too, though, eh? Mm. Yeah, about a lot more back and forth. For sure, yeah. It was tighter. Uh, Pelche extends his scoring streak to 10 games with 16 points in those last 10 games. So uh, he gets that power play marker. Uh, Canucks will land and scored on the power play to make it 2-1. Uh, then the Canucks captain Waters with his first goal of the season to tie it up, two-two. Uh, a real back and forth game as uh, Calgary uh, scores again to take the lead going into third. Yeah, yeah, and the Canucks managed to get a point of this one, right? So, yeah. Uh, but as I stated before, you, you can't survive on these rationalized victories anymore. You know, we uh, granted this is pretty close to a 500 road trip, which you know. Uh, if we weren't already at a 500, it, it's not all that bad. But it really just depends on what we do with this next homestand now, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if we 
keep splitting series on the road, which is good, but then split series is at home. We're not going to make any progress, obviously. That's just math. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of playing ourselves out of a playoff picture right now. And I know it's still early in the season, but it's not that early. Right? We're getting to that point. Yeah. So, so what about the get some player? Yeah, so my get some player in this game, I'm going with Phillips again. Uh, this Honestly, this guy intrigued me. And I, I mean, I don't know what you thought of these games, but he was... He's good. He is a good player. Calgary's got something in this guy. Yeah, he the, might be the first AHL player in history to score as many points as he has pounds that he weighs. Really? Well, because he's <laughs> tiny. <laughs> Fair enough. And but, good, because hey, he gets lots of points. You see, there's a positive to that. I'm complimenting the guy. Yeah, hey, listen, you know what? He's he's right in my, uh, my wheelhouse, so... Uh, the, the Canucks just have no answer for <laughs> he, this guy. You're nowhere near that guy's wheelhouse, dude. No, he's yeah, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. No, he, he's a you know he's a very skilled hockey player. Uh, just like I said, no size. Kind of looks like a pee wee hockey player out there. Okay, I'll stop trashing him. But you know, <laughs> but hey, but Sheldon dries. Sheldon dries. He's showing what little guys can do, right? He's mm-hmm. a smaller guy, and he's playing in the NHL right now, and he he belongs there. He's looking really good. He's looking like a top six forward right now. So you know, big two point game the other mm-hmm. night in Colorado, uh, five points in eleven games in the NHL this season. Um, that's you know, Sheldon dries kicking it up, man. I, I said it at the start of the season. Uh, all all year last year, I said that he was a a top a top nine forward all day in the NHL. But uh, I said at the start of the season he could step into a top six role at the NHL level if mm-hmm. if there are any injury problems. The thing is, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, at the AHL level, you have you you have players like this that get stuck there, and people yeah. wonder like, well, how is he producing you know a point a game and he's not playing in the NHL? It's because at the NHL. You have to be really skilled to play a top six forward role on an AHL team. Mm-hmm. And to play a bottom six forward role, you have to be gritty and tough. That's just the way of the league. Now, it is trend- shifting a bit, and there are some teams that are moving into more of like a three-line scoring philosophy, but that's yeah. the reality of it. So you get guys like this that fall through the cracks. They're just not quite good enough to play a top six role. Guys like uh, TJ uh, Tynan, you know, mm-hmm. down in, uh, down with the rain, and they struggle to make and stay up in the big club. I think Sheldon Drives has made the club, and he might just stay there. He showed himself, and he plays hard every game. Yeah, well, we'll talk about his production with the Canucks here shortly. Um, but to recap the week uh, and the road trip, uh, they end a six-game homestand, or uh, sorry, a six-game road stand, uh, two, three, and one, losing three points to the division rivals Calgary. Uh, Abby Canucks now sitting seven, seven, and one with sixteen points, uh, still sitting eighth in the Pacific Division, and now five points, um, five points out of a playoff spot. But they need these divisional wins over Bakersfield. Uh, oh, who, oh man, who is? Just one point ahead of them in the standings, really. So, yeah. Well, we need to win games at home. We mm-hmm. need to win more games at home. Plain and simple. That should be our mantra. Uh, playoffs are starting to look out of sight if we're not careful during the next home stand here, right? So, uh, we as fans need to fill that arena and create an experience that's impossible to play against. We need to create that. You know, a lot of these Eastern teams. You go into Marley's. Marley's—that's a tough arena to play in. Mm-hmm. We were so good to pull uh, a split series out of a team that's. Well, second, I think, in the AHL, or third in the AHL in, in standings, and playing in an arena with a really tough fan base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to be that tough. Why can't we be that tough? This is a hockey community. There's no reason we shouldn't be filling that arena. I cannot believe that 
the attendance numbers are averaging under 5,000. Like, mm -hmm. that arena should be full every single night. So, you know, we got the two midweek games this week at Abbotsford Center versus Bakersfield. Yeah. Uh, tonight and tomorrow, both 7 p.m. games. And then we play Laval this weekend with the Teddy Bear Toss on Saturday night. 7 mm -hmm. p.m. start for that one. And then the Sunday matinee at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, get out and support the team, folks. They need all the support they can get this this homestand could make or break our season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely could, and especially because you got to wear that Bakersfield jersey. Oh yeah, uh -huh. I was so. trying to get. I was trying to so. not bring that up. Yeah, well, no, so. that's, that's what I'm here for. I got to fact check everyone. everyone <laughs> so look at this! Look at this ugly thing! Look at this, Taryn. Like, ah, uh, uh. yeah. It it really it really should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh man, uh, I feel the message should be like, go support the support our boys, <laughs> and then and give the and if we win, give it a little spit and uh, and a beard. Oh and no, beard we're gonna abuse that, that jersey. That jersey you that have shirt, no yeah. idea how much we're gonna abuse that jersey tomorrow <laughs> night. I already got three or four season ticket members. I spit all over the chair here. Yeah. I got about three or four season ticket members that are planning to spill a beer on me on me at random points in the game. Don't worry, we will clean up the mess, folks. We're not gonna make an extra. Uh, mess for the arena staff to clean up we will make we will clean it up but uh definitely some lolly's hot dog going on that thing for sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna abuse that shirt tomorrow night uh wow. now of course uh, everybody drive safe uh there will be some weather conditions this week so always drive safe check the weather conditions if it's not safe for you to leave your place do not do so it's not worth it over a hockey game but if you can get to the game Please come support this team. We really need them to be successful. And they are mm -hmm. way better team than the record indicates. And it's always a good show at Abbotsford Center. They put on a great show. Uh, that being said, I did want to mention one thing. Um, where's Johnny Canuck? Come on. We're a, a season and a half in. We don't have a Johnny Canuck mascot. I mean, come on. We need to have that. That's my only, only thing I'm going to say on that. Other than that, it's the best $20 ticket in town. I mean, you can't beat it. They had like two platinum recording artists <laughs> performing at at the country shows yeah. right you can't beat that it's just great entertainment there's no ticket hockey. in town that 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 good so yeah the, the 20 dollars seats that i was sitting in were, were pretty good i think the next time i'm going to go higher just so because it's hockey you got to sit up high you got to yeah. see the whole ice but or sit right for, down below where we are that's yeah. my take you gotta be either right down there or right up high yeah well, i mean like and it was funny because i was sitting in the non-alcoholic section uh completely by accident but it was nice because when the when um, the intermissions were on, you go, you get your quick little beer, you come back and you sit for like you sit there, focus on the game, yeah. head out for the sec for the second intermission, talk about it, and kind of trash the other team a little bit, even when you know they're potentially beating <laughs> us. But the, just yeah, for twenty one bucks, like forty for two people, one it was a it was a great night out, and it's uh, we got to make sure we get more people out there, got to get those fans in there because yeah. I don't know. For, in my opinion, I feel like every team that plays really well always has a sold out, sold out city stadium. Hundred percent, and that's 100%. just that's just that's just the way sports should be. Yeah, I'm also I want to pitch that uh, McCallum Road song, get yes. that chant going. Yes. If they don't put it on the on the jumbotron, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start chanting in my seat. Get that going. <laughs> so. Ah, sounds good. So uh, so Linus Carlson dropped to 20th in rookie scoring now. Only one point in his last nine games. He's now five points out of first. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, I I noticed that, like mm -hmm. his production has dropped right off. How much of this is him playing a more physical role than he's maybe used to, or have they already learned the book on this kid and they know how to get under his skin and make him not produce? Because he's night and day from the player he was at the start of the season. For sure, and you know what, he's uh, some of the physicality I see from him. I feel his frustration, um, and a lot of that could be because they're learning how to play them, right? And that's frustrating when people are, are getting in your grill and, uh, and shutting you down. So 
Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, when you get off to a start like he did. Yeah. All eyes are on you. True. Yeah. And uh, Justin Dowling, second in scoring on the team with 12 points in 11 games. Uh, the only guy over one point per game this season so far, minus Dries, who has four points in two games. And based on what he's doing in Vancouver, I doubt we'll see much of him at the AHL level, but uh, we'll touch base on that later. Um, that leads me to my Get Some Player of the Week, Carl. No, you got a Player of the Week on the Get Some? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to throw this in there because I was looking through the stats. Player of the Month, Player of the <laughs> Era, Player of the Quarter. Just to get some. Just get some. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, Christian Wolanin has been getting some. This guy's been quiet, sneaky. Uh, in his points, in my opinion, this guy, uh, the son of former NHLer Craig Willennan, uh, he's writing. Who? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, listen. I'm just kidding. Uh, he's uh, he he's riding an eight-game point streak, and uh, it's seen him get 11 points in those last eight games, and wow. uh, is not the Ab- or is now the Abbotsford Canucks leading scorer with 14 points in 16 games. I have no idea. I looked up the stats and I was like, yeah. "Holy crow, this guy's leading the points." Yeah, out. he's really, he's really full on the runner because he's done a lot of that damage on the road. Yeah. So you know, we haven't seen that much of him at home. So I'm looking forward to watching him tomorrow night. Heck yeah! Or tonight, I should say. For those of you that don't know, we're pre-recording this episode, so sometimes we get confused. I've tried to stick to the fact that uh, you're listening to this like minutes before the before the hockey game starts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that wraps up Abbotsford. Uh, before we before we fully wrap up, yeah, we mentioned that um, December this weekend, December third, second uh, third, we're playing um, Laval. But yeah. you guys forgot to mention the weekend after you're playing against we're playing against my old home team, the Manitoba Moose. My oh, moose are coming yeah, to town. Yeah. I'm a oh, long term. Yeah. My, well, my father grew up is grew up in Winnipeg and and everything. So I I grew up with uh, with Manitoba Moose sweaters yeah. on me all the time. I'll have to see if I can dig up the old photo albums and show you guys them because they're way too big for me. <laughs> it's fine. You can be like Kenny, just wearing a, another team's jerseys in the no, home games. It's you know, fine. I apparently I have, everybody's okay with that. That's fine. I I have some respect to rep to rep my home teams, but I mean, I I don't know because it's, it's the moose, baby. Like, I'm, a, gotta, I'm outnumbered in opinion on this, so I, <laughs> Listen, I'm, a, I'm never wearing a jersey that's not a Canucks jersey except for Bakersfield shirt tomorrow night because well, I lost a bet. But, yeah. you know, and for those of you that don't know, I did lose a bet with the Bakersfield Condors fan club for losing in the playoffs last year. So I got to wear that j- shirt tomorrow night. We talked about that earlier. But, yeah, if you see me, feel free to spill anything you want on me tomorrow night. Yeah. In my defense, though, um, to I am somewhat represent, representing the home team because, one, my father's from Winnipeg. I spent some time in there. And, two, the Manitoba Moose were the Canucks' old farm team. They, they were. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's you know it's like a half it's like a it's Wasn't like a half it Hedberg Johan Hedberg yeah he went and played in Pittsburgh with the moose still on his helmet you remember yeah, that yeah yeah and he got the nickname the moose the rest of his career because yeah. he had the Manitoba moose on his helmet I, it looks so cool yeah. that's how that's how much they take it yeah. seriously though that's what I was saying out east they take the HL so seriously yeah we in Abbotsford should be so thankful that we have this team yeah. we should be out there supporting the team get out to the games people yeah. You, you got a Canucks player on uh, back one of those moose jerseys or what? Oh, because if you um, do, I mean, it I might be. I, maybe you got to rip in a Kessler. Oh, I'd be cool with a Hedberg jersey. I, I'd have to. I'd have to double check if I if um. So if I don't have these. Were like way older. Uh, so I, don't no, I would I rock a Hedberg anymore. jersey. Oh man, yeah. I would rock the Hedberg you're, jersey. Yeah, they, you're, you're talking so many good players. Yeah. Like no, he, no Hedberg, actual. Burrows, right? Ripping. I mean, you can yeah. name go on and on. Yeah, yeah. Burrows. That's right. Yeah. Well, this is you got to keep in mind. Like this, this is a young little like three five year old me. Wearing these things, so so you're uh, saying you won't fit in that jersey anymore? Def- definitely not. That's <laughs> that's the goal. That's my weight loss goal. But 
Uh, yeah, and they're not really jerseys. They're just the big, massive, out east, thick sweaters. Nice, like nice <laughs> yeah. fleece inside that yeah. that that oh. takes away all the um, all the weather, all the weather. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. And we, we were going to touch on this later. Let's touch on it now. The retro jerseys. So yeah. Vancouver did the reverse retro jersey. And it's the first time, I think, uh, in NHL history, an NHL club has put out a, a uglier jersey for their reverse retro than their <laughs> AHL affiliate club. Like, seriously, they <sighs> literally took the Abbotsford Canucks jersey and they made it an ugly color. <laughs> Listen, I, I thought they should have at least used like a... Uh, like a Johnny Canuck head or something like a different no, kind of logo or something. But yeah. Anyways, uh, listen, I remember going to all the, Man- like anytime Manitoba moose came to play the Abbotsford heat, I was always going to those moose games yeah, too. Yeah. So they're, they're, oh yeah. my God. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at, Oh, can stats. we move on from the Manitoba <laughs> moose? This is not a Manitoba moose po- well, podcast radio show, folks. This is a Canucks show. All right. All right. All right. Come well, on, too many too. memories with the moose. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's okay. move along. Taryn's supposed to come in and keep me on topic and you guys are getting me <laughs> off topic. Jeez. Let's yeah, go. December, December 9th, uh, December 9th and December 10th. Moose are in town. It's going to be a great game. That's yeah. I'm going to say, we've got to go to part, see, that's part of the this one. very important road trip. Make sure it you is. get out to support them with that game. Home Not trip. the moose, support the Canucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the home trip. The home, and that's the, the only trip. other time you have permission to uh, pelt a Bush League uh, member with, uh, with with food and, and beverages is when you see Taryn at the arena with his Manitoba <laughs> Moose jersey on. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's I mean, head into the, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's head into the Canucks now. So when we last the Vancouver Canucks. The, yes, Vancouver. I, know, uh, I do that all the time. I'm like the Canucks. Well, know. there's two of them now. No. Yeah, so Vancouver Canucks. Still uh, think it should have been the Aviators in Abbotsford. Anyways, okay, keep going. Oh, so I, I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. I, I will go on to mention that I, I thought that we had a really great chance to kind of be do something more, um, not so Vancouver affiliated. Yeah, they came out here. We would. Really I think awesome. it was sold more tickets. Yeah, I, sure. I will always just recommend uh, the Ice Hawks. That's a, that's a class. That's oh, a I chili. That's cool. a chili. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the aviators. But anyways, all right, because it rhymes now. for aviators. Yeah, aviators would be perfect. That would be absolutely amazing to have the aviators. But hey, yeah. All right, Katie. well, hey, it's all good. Take Listen, us into uh, the Vancouver team. Yeah. So uh, last time we recorded, Canucks were sitting five, nine, and three. Boo. Uh, yeah, with thirteen points in seventeen games, they were seventh in the West. And believe it or not, they were only four points out of a playoff spot uh, yeah, and coming uh, off a win in Buffalo. So, big win there, yeah. Right, yeah. Bruce Boudreaux was on the hot seat. Uh, goalie controversy was on the rise. Yeah, Vancouver giving up way too many goals mm-hmm. uh, up to that point. Plain and simple. Up to that point, third worst record in the NHL for goals against. <laughs> You're not going to win games like that. But otherwise, the goal production has been there all season. Absolutely. Right? Uh, one or two tweaks and maybe they could go on a run. Well, what yeah. happened? Well, they get kick it off in uh, L.A. against the Kings, and, uh, well, they get a 5-4 win. Demko was in net in that game, and, uh, I mean, we were we already commented on the retro yeah. jerseys. I was watching but, that uh, with my buddy who's visually impaired, and he had a really hard time with those jerseys, so I absolutely <laughs> couldn't stand them. I thought they were very uninspiring. But anyways, let's Yeah, no worries. We'll move along from there. Yeah, so Vancouver came out flying in this game. Um, Must have been the jerseys. <laughs> I doubt it. But hey, listen, Curtis Lazar was hitting everything. Five hits in the first period alone. Taryn, this is your kind of guy. I was watching the game. I was this like, oh, Taryn's going to love this guy. Yeah, Lazar is yeah. coming out party. I, I, I think I was mentioning before last time, Like, I, I love someone that can come out and just plow the field for uh, oh. for people to come in. Yeah, so. I, listen, he was, and that's not an Abbotsford uh, p- uh, pun either, plow the field. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was he was, uh, he was was awesome, uh, setting, the, setting the tone. Demmer is back, baby. He looked good in that game. Yeah. Uh, playing solid, by far his best game of the season. 
Um, Drys and Besser looking great together, uh, generating a lot. And Besser with uh, obviously with two goals in this one. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, OEL got an assist on one of those, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he great to see he's been starting to heat up and produce. Uh, four points in his last five games, 11 in 22 games on the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to be putting up 20, 25 goals like he was in Ari- in Arizona and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The guy's 32. For a 32-year-old to be producing uh, you know, half a point a game, that's pretty good pace. Yeah, for sure. Especially and you know for what? a defenseman. Oh, yeah. And listen, there's been a lot of heat on OEL, so uh, it's it's been good to see. Um Kuzi and Petey connecting for two goals. I mean, these two are just so much fun to watch together. KPM line. The KPM line, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh Ilya Mikhailov, uh um uh, yeah, uh, Andre Kuzmenko, you know, proving to be the perfect pair to line up with uh Canuck Sanderman and Elias Pettersson. Now, you know, we said I said at the end of the last episode <clears throat> that the whole league would be talking about this line by the time we recorded our next episode. And here we are. Yeah. The whole team's talking about them. Canucks Army put out a really great article the other day talking about their production. They've had eight goals, 17 points uh, last week in this past week for an average of 4.25 points per game average wow. for one line. So, you know, cl- clear to say they're the top line, right? Cementing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um Pedersen back to where he belongs at center. You know, midway through last season, we all know the trouble he was having in the first part of the season. You know, we had... We uh, they moved him to the wing, which worked out well to boost his confidence. And then Boudreaux came in, and he really liked the system and the format. And boom, he went on fire. Uh, but you know, we forgot how good he is at the center position. Mm-hmm. And when he's playing at his best, you know, we we he's he might be one of the best in the world. Uh, and Kuzmenko even said that he said he's probably one of, if not the best centerman in the world. Now we know a couple of very big names at that uh, mm-hmm. that pos- that that uh, position. Uh, Bo Horvat, who's kicking some 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 butt this year, and yeah. obviously uh, McGee's is there, right? So that's some <laughs> pretty hefty company to be talking about that from a player like Kuzmenko, who's played all over the world as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, but this is the client. This is the line the Canucks have absolutely been waiting for. Uh, the team has strong depth, but they needed a definitive top line to allow the depth to bear fruit down the rest of the lineup. Yeah. If you don't. If you if you make the other team commit to playing their shutdown players on one line, it opens things up for the other lines to produce, and their depth is through the roof. So now suddenly they were already not having problems with offense, but now their offense is going to even go grander that yeah. they've established this. And plus, with Ekman Larson, you know, turning it on, I'm I'm I think they're looking great right now. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, uh, at four one with 15 minutes left. Uh, the Bruce, there it is, chance started. Oh, yeah, we're still talking about a game. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, listen, though, these guys, <laughs> that line is, yeah, I mean, they, they deserve the time uh, to be spoken about. And, I mean, uh, in this game, Dowdy and Felia frustrated with quick whistles on Demko. I don't know if you noticed that. A lot of complaining to the ref every time a whistle blew. Um, mm-hmm. And how good is Kopitar on faceoffs? I oh, mean, yeah. this guy... 13 and 1 for Kopitar, 71% versus Horvat's 35% in this game. And Horvat's a good faceoff man. So it just yeah. uh, tells yeah, you well, a one bit of the about best. What... One of the best. Absolutely. But Kopitar, I didn't realize how that he's not as old as I thought he was. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you remember this name for a long time. Like he has been a superstar for a very long time. Yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, no, listen, uh, special teams were positive for the Canucks going one and three. And uh, on the power play, uh, 
and zero and two. The, the uh, most, the, the most Eagles. important thing you told me before the broadcast was they were having fun in that game. Absolutely, that's important, right? You know, like mm-hmm. they've been, they've been, you know, <laughs> couldn't get a grease BB up their asses up to this point so far. Am I allowed to say the A word on? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> one's allowed, right? Yeah. But like they're they've been really wound tight, and it's just I think a team like this, if you let them unwind, they're gonna just go everywhere. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Nope. So, uh, are you doing a get some player of the game for the for the Canu- for the Vancouver squad or just the Abbey ones? Uh, you know what? I actually didn't do it for the Canucks ones. Maybe uh, maybe we should get you to do one for Canucks. Oh, maybe next episode. I'm not all that prepared slogan. yet. Come up with a slogan. All right. Uh, and uh, and let's do, let's do it next one. Okay. All I right. I like it. Uh, so let's head into Vegas. Oh, man. Uh, this was uh, – there's a lot to talk about in this game. Um, it was a 5-4 loss. Demko was in net for this game. Um, I mean, Kuzi opened the scoring in the second period uh, until Eichel – the Eichel line uh, popped in two quick ones. Yeah, the Jack Eichel factor this oh, year. Oh, man. he That line was buzzing in this game. Uh, Canucks were down 2-1 going into the third. Horvat kicks off a huge surge as the Canucks score three and go up four to two. Demko looked fantastic for the first 50 minutes of this game. Honestly, he looks so good. Um, Canucks with great offensive game and Bruce there at his chance. Oh man, started right away. <laughs> and I was like, this is way too early for a chant. Uh, right after that, uh, a wild series of events occur. I mean, Demko with a bad giveaway that ends up in the back of the net and gives the really gave the Knights some life. I mean, um, they score another a couple minutes later, and then another uh, that they review and get disallowed because it hit the camera lens, which I've never seen that happen before. Um, And I thought at that moment in time, okay, you know, this is a break the Canucks are looking for. Let's settle the team down. That go-ahead goal has been disallowed, and and let's get ourselves back in the game. Yeah. And that, uh, that never happened. I mean, the Eichel line just continued to drive chances. And, I mean... Alex Pietrangelo just walks right down Main Street and just scores the game winner. And yet another blown multi-goal lead. Uh, this yeah, was a game that the Canucks... This, yeah. this was different, though. There was a different atmosphere to the Canucks when they lost this game. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, and I looked over the guy I was watching the game with, and I said, watch this, they're going to go on a run. Because emotionally, they're in the state they need to go on a winning streak. I told them, they're going to go five, six game winning streak. Watch this. And what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and listen, you know what? They, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was a solid game all the way up to that last ten minutes. So I mean, uh, really good. Um, they go into Colorado and play the Avalanche. Martin gets a start in this one. They get a four-three win. Canucks come out quick, uh, score uh, quick into the game, and then Rantanen scores two goals, um, one on the power play, and gives the Avs a two-one lead heading into the second. Horvat ties it up in the second until Makar on the power play scores to give them. The Avs a 3-2 lead. They go into the third period down uh, 3-2. And uh, Dries and Bear score in the third to give the Canucks the lead. And they manage to hold on to the lead and pull off a big win yeah, against sure. the Avs. So. Yeah, uh, you know, gorgeous one-timer by Ethan Bear there. Uh, he's made a huge difference for us on that right side. And I predict he'll make uh, start to produce more offense as we go forward here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and Martin looked great, and Sheldon Dries and Ethan Bear both with a goal and just in this game, so great to see. Um, all right, and then we head into Vegas, uh, and the much-anticipated return to Vegas here to see how the Canucks are going to come back from that uh, 
that last game, and uh, they come out with a 5-1 win. Martin gets the start, second in a row. Yeah, I could see them splitting the role uh, here until Demko gets the swagger back. But mark my words, uh, it's still Demko's net. Yeah, uh, Canucks came out flying with two power play goals uh, from Besser and JT Miller to go up 2-0. In the second, they score three goals, two from Kuzi and one from Bo with two seconds left in the second period. Uh, Martin played solid. Got a little lucky as well with posts and uh, Stone missing an empty net. But, uh, yeah, but th- that's not luck, though, the posts. Yeah. Uh, good positional goalies like Spencer Martin, he's known as a positional goalie, uh, they only give you the post to look at. They force you to shoot for the corners, hence more posts and, and mm-hmm. uh, crossbars. I think uh, the Martin Brodeur had more pucks go off the crossbar and the posts than any other goalie in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, well, listen, he was very aggressive, too, which I thought was awesome. Coming out, challenging shooters, like, just coming right at him, which was uh, showing a lot of confidence in his game, which is great. Canucks mm. go 3-5 and five on the power play, and uh, um, and their just, penalty kill went 100%. So Yeah, just an overall solid game for special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, most importantly, they uh, held a multi-goal lead. <laughs> yeah, special teams looked great. Power play was on fuego tonight. And yeah. listen, man, um, they needed to uh, to knock some of that controversy around multi-lead goals. So that's uh, that's awesome. Um, and then they head into uh, San Jose, and they take on the Sharks uh, just last night, actually, um, yeah. from when we're recording. We're recording on Monday here. So um, they uh, they pull off a 4-3 OT win, uh, Demko in net for this game. And, uh, I mean, the Canucks came out with a lot of energy, put a lot of pressure on the Sharks early. And it paid off. Uh, Burroughs with a nice goal from Horvat and Miller. Um, San Jose gets a weird goal. Um, yeah, off even even oh. bare stick, right? Uh, no, this one went off of Kunin's back. So he's standing in front oh, of the net. Yeah. It hits his back, that goes goal. way up in the air, and then it just flutters over Demko and uh, and into the back of the net. So uh, to tie that one up. But uh, yeah, then the unfortunate power play goal off the stick of Ethan Bear, uh, and it goes. Uh, they go back up two one. Um, Canucks came back a minute later though with a nice goal by McKayev. He answers uh, to tie it up, and then a couple minutes later, Petey uh, with a nice tip on OEL's point shot. Um, but what a diving effort by McKayev to poke the uh, poke it to OEL. Did you see that yeah, one? Just I did, a great yeah. play. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. And then uh, San Jose pouring on the pressure. I gotta say, Eric Carlson was incredible. I, I he stood out so much in this game skating. There's a couple of end-to-end plays where he just skated right in and had a had a great chance uh, on a couple chances uh, in that game. And I mean, he got two assists in this one, so he was very prevalent. But uh, man, just not not the same guy that I've seen over the last uh, few years. So what a transformation! Um, I'm happy he's healthy because man, he's fun to watch. Uh, he's played he played over 25 minutes and had a nice feed to set up Kunin's in the second uh, second goal of the game. But this one goes to OT, and what a game winner! Uh, by Kuzi, uh, you you spoke a lot about the the Russian connection, and I got to tell you, Miller with a beauty of a pass up the middle springs Kuzi for a breakaway, and this guy rarely misses. I mean, he snaps it right under the glove uh, for the win. And another funny note on this one, uh, Quinn Hughes actually gets an assist on this, although he was off the ice on the bench for about 20 seconds, 25 seconds before <laughs> this actually went in the net. That's awesome. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see. So, um, great game and uh, great great way to end the road trip. I mean, the Canucks go 5-1 and one since we last recorded, and 
three and zero on this road trip. Uh, they're now yeah. nine, ten, and three with twenty one points uh, at the twenty two game marker and only one point out of a wild card spot now. Uh, Spencer Martin's now six one and one this season. Wow. Yeah. And uh, nine, nine one, one and one yeah. as a Canuck in total. Wow! Right, so yeah. Thatcher Demko is three nine and two on the season, but I mean his he's... game has looked a lot better. Oh yeah, the last so... the last uh, three starts he's had mm-hmm. have looked more like Demko, and so he just needs to get his swagger. He's one of those type of goalies. Uh, he's a Jonathan Quick style goalie. When he gets hot, he's really really mm-hmm. good. So we just got to give him some patience. But it's great knowing we have Spencer Martin to back him up right now. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to check on, Taryn, is uh, what is um, Mikheyev, uh what is he pacing at for the end of the year? Because I had a prediction with somebody. I said he'd get 30 goals this year. Yeah, give me a second to check it out. I'm yes. just curious because I know he's he's starting to pump in the numbers. Oh. Um, yeah, I think he could be a 30-goal guy. But anyways, so we'll, we'll check on that. Everybody thought I was nuts. I got laughed out of the room when I said <laughs> that statement. No, but. listen, his speed is just incredible too. And the chemistry he's finding with Pedersen and uh, – and Kuzmenko is is awesome. Well, so. where's Patterson at now? He's like, is he top ten in the league now? Um, Patterson, yeah, Patterson's eleventh in the league in scoring. So he's got twenty seven points in twenty two games. So, yeah. um, but I mean, he's not just all about. I mean, he's getting points, but he's also playing a really solid two way game. Um, and he's asked, like, he asked uh, Boudreaux for like a, a matchup. Like, I want to play a matchup role too. So and he's doing really well in it. So uh, I'm happy to see that. Yeah, but well, he's a Swedish keener. They're all like that. They all say <laughs> that doesn't mean they're all able to play that shutdown role. Yeah. But we'll see. He's a pretty talented hockey player. So I oh. give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah. Oh, I'll uh, be looking for. Um, so how many goals does McKayev have this year? Just oh, just for the Canucks this year. Uh, yeah. He so far has six. Six. So they've six. played forty-two overall. So let's. For, so he's on pace for like 24, 25, but he's picking up the pace. Yeah. So he could get to 30. He could. Ooh, that'd yeah. be cool. I should have made a bet. Yeah, 13 <laughs> points, 7 is... Uh, if he stays healthy, though, he's notorious for getting injured, that guy. Oh, I just yeah. jinxed he's... it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Knocking on wood. Yeah, he's 6 goals, 7 assists, uh, 13 points, and uh, a plus minus of 10. Um, yeah. Yeah. How many games played uh, so far? Because he was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, game he hasn't played, played every game. Uh, 19. 19, yeah, 19 yeah, games so, played. So three less. So, um, anyways, yeah, no, he's heating up, so it'll be fun to see what he does. Uh, Horvat, 20th in the league uh, with 24 points uh, in 22 games and second in the league in goals with 17, only one behind Jason Robertson. Uh, we're still talking about this guy. I mean, you know, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people are like, he can't keep that pace, and yet yeah. he just keeps doing it. So Every episode we, we talk about <laughs> how everybody's saying, he can't possibly keep that pace. He can't possibly keep that pace, and we still keep reporting on it. At what point can you start to say this guy's going to this guy's gonna absolutely tear 350 goals this year? <laughs> I'd love to see it. Love to see it. I mean, when's the last time somebody the Canucks? Like, it must yeah. have been McGillney or, or not McGillney, uh, uh, Burray probably, or... Naslund, Jeez. maybe. Oh, you might a 50 be, goal? yeah, you might be right. I think he might have been the last one. Uh, I think he actually wrote, won the Rocket Richard, didn't he? He did. Yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, just uh, incredible to see. So good for him. Twelfth um, best faceoff percentage in the league at fifty-seven point eight percent. However, uh, the one thing I found very interesting is he has taken a league high five hundred and thirty-nine faceoffs, which is sixty-two faceoffs more than the next closest player, Bergeron. <coughs> Um, wow. So to, to to take that many faceoffs and have a fifty seven point eight percent, 
awesome. Yeah. Um, quick thing here: uh, 2002 to 2000, the 2002 2003 season. Marcus Nazland has only uh, scored 48. That is his oh. highest. So he was two away. He, that was the Duncan Keith hit. That, I think that, that was, knocked him that, out. That's right. At right. The end of the season. I remember that now because yeah, everybody was oh. like, "We got raw. You got robbed of the 50 goals." That's right. Yeah. yeah. 48. Jeez. Jeez. Um, so who was the last 50 goal scorer for the Canucks? Oh, I'll have to double check that. Right. I don't. Well, I, I'm curious. I, I think me. I think you're right. It's Bure. I would have to. St- no, it would be. Mag- well, no. Did Maybe. McGill only have a season after Burry left? Yeah, he did. Okay, let me, yeah, um, let me see if I can find out. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Um, and then, yeah, Quinn Hughes tied for fifth in scoring amongst defensemen with 21 points. Yeah, 11 he's... points behind Carlson for first. Oh, he's got no goals, but hey, this guy's not really a goal scorer. I mean, he provides. He provides. Nobody plays the line better than Quinn Hughes. Oh, so fun to watch. He so pulls. We talked watch. about that earlier, about the Abbotsford Canucks having trouble with too much space up top mm-hmm. and how that's creating goals against them. Well, Quinn Hughes creates that space for his team all the time mm-hmm. by playing that line and creates that space up the middle that allows for goals. Yeah. So he gets goal. he's creating goals that he's not getting credit for. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm just going to throw this out there, Carl. Correct me if I'm wrong because you've seen him more than I did. But... Uh, does Jack Rathbone, did he not bring a lot of that same style of play to Abbotsford last year? I mean, I very rarely seen him, but the few games I've seen him, he, he was walking the line too. Um, not to the same extent as Hughes, but I mean. Yeah, no, he is. He's very good at that, actually, come to think of it. Um, I mean, he put up a lot of points in the AHL too. So. Oh, he did. He's, he's, a, yeah. he's a very good player. He's a great prospect. It's just so. too bad he's not getting any games. Um. Petey, Horvat, Miller, Kuzi, and Hughes all at one point per game or more. Besser not far behind. Uh, four players with double digits already in goals. And uh, looks like we're finding they're finding some consistency with the lines, which I think is really great. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, I mean, what I've seen in these last six games, I mean, Petey obviously playing between the two Russians, Kuzi and Mickey. Speaking of Russians, what was the answer to that question? Um, so Pavel Berry got m- multiple 51, 50 plus goals. And then you were right. Uh, McGill, uh, where is he? Uh, uh Alexander, uh, McGill, McGillney got it. And then last person to get it was Pavel Berry, 97, 98. Okay. Oh. I wondered uh, if for the Vancouver Canucks, I wasn't sure then, if McGillney had one more big season after yeah, Burry yeah, left, no. but he didn't. So, um, okay. yeah. And then, um, Burry did it again for the Panthers. Yes, he did. Uh, both, uh, back to back. People 2000, for, 2001. We've talked on this broadcast uh, before about how good Pavel Bure was. Yeah. And he might have he been one of the greatest players in the history of the game, especially if he had played in this era of hockey. This mm-hmm. guy would have been putting up ridiculous totals. So uh, yeah. it's one of those – because he always had that, that, that clutch and grab game problem, right? Yeah. yeah. And he got taken out. And that's what causes injuries, right? Yeah. So I, I would I would 100% argue that he changed how goal scoring worked in the NHL. I agree. I would, oh, I would 100% say the that. speed and we'll how never, he would gain those zones, like yeah, during no, a time when the two the two the two line pass was an issue. <laughs> so like he just took that out of play. That guy could go coast to coast. Oh yeah. man, I will like one of the most underappreciated. And I, I mean maybe not underappreciated, but I think that uh, he gets slept on as one of the most. As one of the most influ- as an influential player, he has about yeah. as many statues as he has goals. Uh, yeah, over in <laughs> Russia, they love him in Russia, man. Oh yeah, that guy's like Mister Hockey yeah. over there. He's the great I, one. And and like yeah, to the time, I think that if it was in modern age, we can. I mean, you yeah. could argue that that if modern age hockey is he was a factor that led to modern age hockey too, in my yeah. opinion. But no, I, I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm a Canucks boy and sell my my Beret stuff. So yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then uh, Horvat uh, seems to have find uh, some consistent line mates with uh, Hoglander and Miller on the wings. Uh, and they've looked great together. Um, Dries seems to have found a home between Garland and Besser. Is there a better third line in the oh, NHL? I know. I was just looking at that going, man, geez. Like, th- this is what we're talking about. This is the Canucks moving to a three-scoring lo- line system. Mm-hmm. And then you got Niels Amon uh, between Curtis Lazar and Dakota Joshua. And which if you is got really... Lazar getting that many hits in a game, <sighs> you can have three scoring lines. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and Joshua's not afraid to drop the gloves. I mean, it's a good fourth line. Um, and then Shannon Hughes. Oh, we, I mean, I don't see that one ever going anywhere. I mean, they, they fit great together. OEL and Bear looking really good together. Uh, Bear's been a really good addition. Um, and oh, Myers sure. and Burroughs. I mean, I love Burroughs. This guy... Just so well, hard nosed. I'm still my. I'm not still not sure, but yeah. I have to say I think Ethan Bear was the missing puzzle piece we needed, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's all falling into line now. That's going to take some time for Demko to get his confidence back, but once mm-hmm. he does, oh, this team will well, be listen, something I, to watch. I think Burroughs and Myers look better together than Stillman and Myers, uh, in my opinion, and uh, yeah, it's just nice to see that consistency, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, Sheldon Dries. I mean, this guy looks great on the line with Besser. Yeah. And, Carl, you saw him a lot in Abbey last year. I mean, what are your thoughts about what this guy's doing up at the big club here? Well, I mean, as I said earlier in the broadcast, he's arrived. You mm-hmm. know, like, this guy is so skilled and has bulked up a bit, you know, a fair bit. He's trying to really work the gym. Uh, he knows this is his last chance to stay up in the show. And he's playing his butt off, right? Like he's really playing hard every every single game, and he's not taking dumb penalties while doing it, mm-hmm. which is extremely common with guys in that position. They play so hard that they play themselves into penalties. He hasn't done that. This guy keeps playing the way he is. He'll be there the whole season, playing simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really love the you know what he brings to the team, and uh, you'd mentioned that uh, you know he's building confidence every game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just watching. I believe it was the San Jose game yesterday. Like he was coming in on the uh, on the left side, and right as he got to the goalie, he just took a nice spinorama, backhand wrister. Yeah. Uh, you know um, that uh, Kukkonen uh, glove-handed save. But I mean, like, you don't make those plays unless your confidence is is there, right? And the fact that he made yeah. the play and got the shot, I mean, it was it's nice to see. So it's well, awesome. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about, so I want to keep moving here. Um, you know, we are taking a bit of a longer broadcast if people haven't noticed than we normally do. Just as a lot to cover in the wide world of sports. But before we move on from the Canucks, uh, you know, some more controversy within the Canucks organization. And, you know, I'm a big Canucks fan, but I'm not always a big fan of this organization. And so we need to call them out on their be- on, on the behavior within it and make sure that people are asking the right questions and investigating this stuff. So, uh... <laughs> Pardon me. Rachel Dory, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, was noted by, you know, she was a member of the of the um, coaching staff there. Uh, she was noted by Bruce Boudreaux f- a few months back for being very helpful with video analysis. Uh, he commented in an article, in fact, a few months back that how skilled she was in that arena and definitely ahead of her time at the age of 26. Uh, Dory, me was dis- Dory was dismissed uh, back in September. And uh, she's now filing a, a lawsuit against the, uh, the Canucks organization under the belief that her dismissal was based on discriminatory reasons, um, specifically naming Canucks assistant GM Emily Castonge. Uh Now, Castonge hmm. 
is uh, she interned for uh, Pierre Gauthier in Montreal and very, very hard, a uh, very smart hockey person. Knows a lot about the game. Very high hockey acumen. Uh, she also has a background as a player agent. Now, for any of you that have ever met a player agent, uh, they do have a different reputation, a well-earned reputation at times of being, uh, you know, uh, kind of cutthroat and like stripping emotion out of the out of the situation because they have to. That's their job. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes people like that can come across very coarse. I'm certainly not defending any actions that I may or may not know that she's done. I don't know, right? Uh, but I'm simply reporting on what's being out, what's out there, and saying that some co- an investigation needs to be done to mm-hmm. make sure that there's uh, where we are producing a, a, a good supportive organization. Um, and uh, you know, there again, she does have a bit of a reputation for being standoffish with the media. I think that was one of the areas that co- led to the dismissal was uh, Dory posting something on her social media uh, about uh, Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, complimenting her and I think that everyone should be able to take pride in their work mm-hmm. on social media regardless of your position within any organization I've been adamant about this I've worked in organizations where they've they've uh, asked me to not go on social media and post my thoughts and views and I've left the organization as a result of that because it's important we all get to have our voice now we all have to stand behind that voice and if we make a statement that people don't enjoy you have to you have to you know eat crow on that but it's one of those things I think that this person may have been mistreated within the organization. I think it's important for the organization to take a look at it and handle it properly. Yeah. You know what? I don't know a whole lot about this one, but uh, I think you're right. Like, I mean, if there was some sort of mistreatment, uh, they owe that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, how about, uh, let's move on from that, but I just wanted to address that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, you know, I always try to address this, you know, that, and, uh, yeah. with the hockey kind of stuff going on, there's just a lot that needs to be fixed in this sport. And, uh, anyways, we'll move on yep. from that. Uh, Lake Rimaki, take yeah. it out with that headshot. You oh, want to talk about man. that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, oh, man. This this guy, I mean, he's off to a rough start already this year, right? I mean, one goal, four assists in 20 games. But, yeah. uh, man, he came in and, and he was coming into the offensive zone in uh, their game on Saturday night, and he just kind of made a move past one guy, which was actually kind of nice. And then right when he got by him, he just kind of, turned and this other guy just came right in and just uh shoulder to the head and he just went down like a sack of bricks um and i mean i hate to see that especially with this young guy a young talent for us that we're really our first round pick we're banking on right yeah yeah i hear you i mean hopefully Uh, he's okay but yeah tough to see yeah that's a tough one um and you know we'll keep an eye on that and see how mm-hmm. well hopefully everything's okay yeah. um and you know thoughts are with him so yeah but uh, uh phil kessel thousand consecutive games Evgeny malkin thousand games played Beauty. big shout outs to those two beauties um obviously phil kessel love him i love yeah. the quotes that come out of that guy he's <laughs> going to be so entertaining as a broadcaster i, I could just tell he's going to fall into that role when he retires uh, Lindy Ruff, you wanted to touch on that. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I This one crept up on me too. I mean, uh, he became the fifth coach in NHL history to win 800 games um, when uh, the Devils defeated the Capitals 5-1 there. And that's uh, a huge milestone. I mean, only five coaches, Who right? knew, except for Lindy Ruff's family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't well, even know if Lindy Ruff knew. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Uh, obviously, Scotty Bowman leads the pack there with 1,244 wins. But uh, Joel Quenville, 969. Barry yeah. Trotz, 914, and Ken Hitchcock, 849. So he joins uh, some pretty prestigious coaches up there. So, um, yeah, it's worth worth talking about. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. And there was this uh, this little uh, 
I don't know soccer tournament that was going on. What's that called? Oh, yeah, man, just geez. just a little World Cup. Oh, oh that's right. Just a little bit. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, right. I think I think for like I know it's, I know it's soccer North America, but I think we should say football for uh, to show respect. In the context of the World Cup. I will say, I will football. call football. Plus, Me too. I will confess, I got the itch this year. I got the itch. Oh, yeah. I've I was been following up. Canada through the qualifiers, and I'll tell you, it, it's, it's one of those sports that goals are extremely exciting because they're not very frequent. But mm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> it, but I, 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 I actually agree with you, though. Like When it happens and you, you can see the buildup, the chances, the, yeah. the everyth- everything that leads to it, how, how that sport ebbs and flows there's no there's not yeah. a lot of sports quite like it to see how like how control and possession play a game play into it yeah. yes there's long stances there's five ten minute stances where nothing happens but when you see those goals they're, yeah. they're always so exciting and you're you know the players are so happy for them too that it makes you love the sport even more well how 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 uh how fun was that davies goal right like that felt absolutely incredible to oh, watch man. i haven't cheered that loud since the Crosby goal in 2010, yeah, oh. I woke my so my brother had um, my brother had uh, was had a late night and uh, so we staying in bed and I cheered so loud that it, it woke him up and he had to come downstairs so like what what's going on and like we scored <laughs> in the first two minutes and then yeah. sadly that was only one but geez that's sleeping in late for you that was like 8 a.m. wasn't it <laughs> yeah well not for me for him he had a late night so he had he had an oh. office party so he was staying up uh, for a bit longer and. Uh, I was actually on a road trip with the UFB basketball team, so I was coming in late oh, too, wow. and so I woke up pretty early uh, for it. But um, yeah, it was yeah. So uh, awesome. you know, I want to open this to the floor. So Canadian soccer now, I mean, good showing with Belgium, really turned some heads, and then mm-hmm. that goal, everybody was like, "Wow, we are up one nothing on Croatia." Mm-hmm. These guys came, you know, runner up in the last World Cup. Like, yeah. Is it safe to say the age of it, and this is not my line, this was actually from Sportsnet, but the age of innocence is over? I mean, there, there's so many t- there's so many uh, countries and, and nations that have a one-and-done uh, World World Cup. I I personally, I'm a, I obviously, you know, as a can, proud Canadian, I'm a little biased and say, and going to say, hell no, we're <laughs> going to come back. But I think, uh, you know, before the broadcast, you brought up how kind of ex- somewhat experienced but still relatively young are uh, – our team is we only have i think the average age is around 25 28 so we have another mm-hmm. good world cup run with it and i think this yeah. is just a big learning experience i mean we haven't been, been there for 36 years it's going to be tough we're in yeah. one of the, the toughest ages of of football to to go we have there's more than i mean usually the world cups is two or three there's at least five teams that could potentially win it yeah well the, the like, coach like we we have a very good soccer, oh, sorry, football mind in <laughs> our coaching, our yeah. coach. And he's been given kind of carte blanche on how to develop the Canadian soccer program. And we're already seeing it at the youth level. My son yeah. plays soccer. You know, he's seven, just turned eight. And they, they've got development teams now. So it's, it, that didn't exist as, as far mm-hmm. as I know when we were kids. And yeah. it's like if you play well, you get brought into a development team that plays against other development teams. And then those teams play against other de- – and it, it's varying stages of development – and the guy I'm talking to out there on the field, I got roped into doing the line linesman for the game. He he, he comes up to me he's one, from one of the development teams. He's European accent, and I'm like, "Well, where are you from?" He's like, "Oh, I'm from Belgium." I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay." You know, and you could tell someone from Belgium, they don't sound like French Canadian. They sound different. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. But it's like one of those, you know, right away, I recognize that this guy is not from around here, and so he's he's being hired by the Canadian. 
uh, hockey, or sorry, Canadian's uh, football Soccer. program yeah. to go around the country and look at this. He uses in Maple Ridge, watching my my eight year old play soccer. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. it's crazy to me. But that's the that's where I start to think Canada has a future in the sport. Plus, our our coach is the first one to coach at both the women's and men's world level, right? And and I, th- I want to actually yeah. kind of touch in that because yes, he is. Uh, he that you're right. He's done both, and I think that. Uh, soccer or, or football properly um, didn't really kick off until our, our women did so well. And yeah. I think we, I yeah. think there's not, you know, there's, there's quite a lot, but there's, I don't think there was as many, especially during this FIFA that have brought up that it was very much our Canadian women who brought, yeah. who made us a thing. And even um, that, you know, these players are saying it wasn't until then that they, that inspired them a lot too. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really our Canadian women that have, has made football a thing in our country. Yeah. And I think that is, it's absolutely amazing that, they, that they're leading the charge in that. And I can't yeah. wait to watch them in the, in the women's world cup. Coming yeah. Soon well, too. that's just, if yeah. that's going to keep, we're yeah. not gonna have to wait long to watch something. But you know, the thing is he, um, Christine Sinclair, you won't find a better ambassador for that sport than Christine Sinclair. Yeah. And she's done so much for the Canadian program. And as far as, you know, it's it's just incredible. I I, th- I really don't think this is a one and done. I think this is the birth of Canada's program. And I think they're going to be more and more competitive as the years progress. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, they have a team that's set up to definitely get out of the group stages in the next World Cup. Yeah, and they came in, and one of my favorite things was was hearing um, Hitchinson and, and these, these long-term guys coming in and saying, we know that we've been here for so long. We're not here. We're here to inspire are Canadians again. And I think that's, that's right. exactly what yeah. they did. That's exactly that's that's, awesome. that's that great. Like they're not necessarily saying we're not coming here to try and win the World Cup next time around. Their try their goal is to inspire Canadians to continue to grow the sport. Yeah. yeah. To to play the most popular sport in the world. Yeah. To to to, yeah. to show our place as part of it and I think they did. And um unfortunate that it was a it was a two game out, but what a show those games were. And yeah. what what fun that was to watch them, even as someone who's this isn't my primary sport, but it was just so much fun to watch. And was I remember my friend who's a big football fan was texting me throughout, just saying he was so happy and proud to be able to cheer his nation in the World mm. Cup. Yeah, and that's yeah. an amazing fe- thing to say. Well, and now so let's talk about the host city, Qatar. Uh, you know, like uh, the hosts there. I mean, this was a bit of a coming out party for Canada. So I think they absolutely had to play in this. I mean, it's not like Canada could boycott this, uh, but a lot of people have been frustrated that the Canada that Canada did this, right? And the thing is, around that, I want to put this in perspective that I don't know that it's necessarily the team's responsibility to boycott this this tournament. I think, but I, I really think that FIFA should be heavily criticized for their decision to host a tournament there. And to put all these nations and fans that just want to support their team and their country in a very difficult position, they should be brutally criticized for this. Because, I, the, you know, I want to support my team, but not at the expense of human rights and liberties. Yes, I actually 100% agree with that. I think that um, I think if anything, uh, what I've been seeing across social media, and, and it's sad that it's in memes, but social media has been people calling out how openly corrupt Saudi Arabia is saying, if they win, we'll give these players Rolls Royces mm-hmm. in Qatar's. And before in years, and people my age who are, I'm almost amazed how many of them are saying, we didn't know that it was this open. It's been this open for 30 mm-hmm. effing years. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's not an old thing. And how many uh, of people my age are starting to say, that's not right. That's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that 
yes, it's not our job to criticize the, and, and maybe it is, you know, FIFA should be uh, talked about, about their choice for doing that. But I think that another aspect of world sports is to go to these places and show the, the, in, in, the inequalities. Yeah, that's And I think that's what's really coming mm-hmm. up. And um, I like that perspective. And, uh, yeah. and to me, yes, I think Canada should be there as a nation to be a, to be a part of showing these things. I disagree with the new Vancouver mayor missing out three ma- major mayoral meetings to go to the to go to that and then using the defense of, oh well, I have to cheer on the Vancouver people. From what I from which I understand, there is no Vancouver <laughs> people on Team Canada right now. I could be wrong though, but you're at the point that you've been elect an elected official for your city. You're mm-hmm. not you're not a you're you're not a federal, you're not fed. Your job yeah. is to be to the city and our city in Vancouver needs some a good mayor leadership, which he had a chance to do that and it's not his job to go to the World Cup. It's your job to then say responsibly, I can't go. Yeah. And so yeah, mm-hmm. that was the only thing that I have about Canada not going, but I think in terms of our role as a nation or what we should be doing, I think our role should be going to these to events, showing inspiring our Canadians and then also showing inspiring how to step up and and lead against an inequality and that's what they sh- and that's what the well it certainly puts, all about it certainly puts eyes on the problem right like for sure you know uh it, it's yeah not to get too controversial with it but like i was watching this really good thing about mike tyson this was just called mike it's on uh showtime i think it's disney really plus has it on and when they were talking about obviously the, like the elephant in the room with him which was the, the rape charges and his accuser was asked about well, you know, like when, when he bit Evander Holyfield, all of a sudden they come back and they're asking his previous you know, accuser about the She goes, so now you want to talk about this after he bites a guy? What about what he did before? That's the problem in our society. We're not looking at the problem until it's until it's right in front of us, right? Like that. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. I like your perspective on that, that we mm-hmm. needed to go there to show, shed the, shine the light yeah. on what's happening there. Because, and you know, people we are talking about this now, but how 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 long were we talking about it before they were given the World Cup? I don't remember it. I don't remember yeah, our news true. stories talking about it. I don't remember CNN talking I, I about it. I don't a, remember. It's been an underlying BBC. conversation, but definitely not to the extent. Not to this extent. And no. I think that's what, I mean, world events, that's what they're supposed to be there. That's not, yeah, not supposed to, maybe not supposed to, but sports and politics and sports and globe are hand in hand for a reason. Yeah. And we got to look at the opportunity to, to we see that we see this stuff being shed for light. What are we going to do about it now? Well, we have these chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one one thing was uh, uh, Team Canada Davis Cup champions. We got to talk about that. Great, great oh, set of matches. I'm happy awesome. I got to watch those yeah. too. Watch the highlights. Oh, oh. wonderful. I I had a chance to see um, Odlum, uh, the Odlum Brown people um, going uh, and playing out in the summer, and I fell in love with tennis again. And what a fun thing to watch this uh, Davis Cup. How much time do we have left there? Uh, we're coming up for like five minutes. Five okay, minutes. Okay, wrap it up cool. pretty soon here. So yeah, so t- you know, I think this has been a long time coming. I, I really, I mean, obviously, uh, these got these Canadian tennis players are becoming some of the elite in the world. So you knew there was just a matter of time before they came together and won the Davis Cup. I thought, at least, that was me personally, and they did it in very impressive fashion. You know, they didn't even have to play the the doubles game in the finals. So <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That's pretty dominant performance. Um, so I'm really, you know, congratulations to them and that's incredible. And what a, uh, great step forward for the Canadian tennis. Yeah. Great, yeah. It's great awesome. for them. Step in the right direction for all of our Canadian athletes. And for sure. we're, we're coming up there in the world guys. So all yeah. those people who may listen to this from the world, watch out. 
<laughs> Canadi- the Canadians are coming. All right, so yeah, moving on from uh, you know all this good good news, we got to talk about the the Boston Bruins. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> eleven with, straight with accent too. Eleven straight oh. home wins. Um, or are they at twelve now after the the OT win in Carolina? Uh, anyways, regardless, shout out to them. They're kind of knocking on on the record book door here. So let's continue to monitor that. Um, my mom would be so happy. She's a lifelong Bobby or Boston oh. Bruins fan. I love Bobby. I love I mean, Bobby. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind the Boston Bruins before, say, 20, 25 years ago. How about that? That's fair. Yeah. I, um, I agree with that. So that that's actually yeah, – we're running out of time. That's all the time we have for this week. No. Hmm. Wait, I can't – we can't go out on a Boston Bruins shout-out, can we? No, screw that. Uh, no. What can we touch on? Um, oh, yeah, Kenny, you touched on Luke Shen last episode. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to point out. I was looking at that guy's only making eight hundred fifty thousand dollars against our cap hit right now, and he's on that basically top pairing. <laughs> what a gem! Oh, what a gem! Absolutely, yeah, he's a, he's a beast. Oh, that's Love awesome. Him. Okay, well that's a that's a better one to go out on than absolutely. the Boston Bruins out. That boy, Luke Shen, keep up the Shenner. good work. You're the man. Uh, Sheldon Dries, keep up the good work as well. We love you, buddy. Um, okay, so stay stay tuned to our social media at underscore Bush League on Instagram and TikTok and at Bush League Radio on the Zuckerbook. Uh, you can follow us for great more great uh, Bush League content. Well, let's face it, it's content. Uh, can't promise it's great. After all, this is Bush League. And um, up next, we have uh, Unlocking Your Truth with Dr. Leslie, uh, which is a great show. Check that out, folks. Uh, on Civil Radio 101.7 in Abbotsford, serving the Fraser Valley from broadcasting from the traditional unceded Stolo territory. Until next time, this is Bush League signing off. See you at the games, folks. Get out there. Go Canucks, go.